welcome once again to another exciting episode of Cool Pods podcast series. Today we have with us uh, Professor Edward Cozier, who is the CEO and founder of Next Tech and Next Loop. It's wonderful to have you here, uh, Ed, again today, and um, looking forward to an exciting and wonderful conversations with you. Thank you, Deepa. Thanks for inviting me on. It's always a pleasure to contribute to your podcast. Thank you so much. They're always very interesting. Thank you so much. Um, So, um, you know, I've been been going around uh, looking about, you know, what you've been doing, and it's amazing the kind of um, initiatives that you've been taking. So I would like to talk first about the next tech technology, which is the PRISM technology. Um, so what is the PRISM technology and how does it differ from the other sorting technologies that are out there? For example, the uh, digital watermark technology. Okay, so let's just talk about pr- PRISM technology to start off with mm-hmm. and how it's based and the, and the scientific principles. So when we go back to why we developed this, Um, it had a very specific function. We were asked, can we sort between food-grade and non-food-grade polypropylene? That was the original target. And so it was something that we wanted to uh, develop uh, to do this particular function. So we also kept in mind that whatever we developed should be consistent with the recycling systems that apply right across Europe and USA. We didn't want to develop new machinery, so we had to develop a concept that was workable and practical and efficient and not very costly and yet give us would give us the um, robustness of being able to run in a recycling operation. So they're, they're all the criteria, which was really quite a lot of work to try to make to fit all of those. So we came up with a system where we would apply a fluorescent marker to a label. The label would be fitted to a package and we would then use this label uh, and its fluorescence during sorting. Now, the the principle that we're using is the marker is invisible in daylight, but it's visible under ultraviolet light. So it's a bit like a banknote checker where if you put something under uh, ultraviolet light, you'll see a glow coming from the, from the uh, fluorescent materials. Mm-hmm. So we use this concept and we have a library of fluorescent markers that will give a very specific signal. So it'll be single or multiple peaks happening at the same time. And so we can actually see the colours using the existing cameras that are used in in sorting operations. And this is really one of our important points of difference. So once the machine sees the color generated under ultraviolet light and matches it to the library, it can then identify the package very specifically. So we can have a marker which says this is food grade. We can have a marker which says this is uh, polylactic acid or it could be um, a bioplastic or it could be a toxic plastic that has to be ejected. For example, uh, it could be a, a plastic that was in, involved uh, in the use of herbicides or pesticides. And so there'd be big advantages to be able to separate these materials. 
Now, the one thing that um, we have done is we have integrated this with near infrared technology. Mm-hmm. Now, it's important to make this statement because all the sorting around the world is done typically automatically by the use of near infrared. Near infrared can actually see the polymer structure and it can actually identify it uh, based on the spectroscopy in the infrared spectrum. And so we actually match in with the near-infrared and we can, we can look at the fluorescent colour and we can actually identify the polymer and this means we have a unique signal coming back to the, uh, to the machine for sorting. Now, this actually is quite important because in the sorting of plastics, you need to be able to put the materials into different categories. And in most recycling operations, they want the minimal number of categories that make economic sense. So we realise even though we have a library of markers, we only need a small number of categories to sort into. So we, we developed our concept and we proved it would work. It works at full speed, the same as the infrared sorting and uh, it operates at very high efficiency and we can we can in one step create uh, more than 96 percent uh, food contact materials or in two steps greater than 99 percent so so this gives us the basis for separating food and and non-food and of course the important point is that this is integrated with near infrared technology and it doesn't try to create a whole new sorting machine or equipment mm. which would then create a lot of uh, change in the recycling industry. Okay. So the, the whole purpose of um, the prison technology was to separate food from non-food. Now, we did this for polypropylene, but we can do this for PET. Mm-hmm. We can do it for high-density polyethylene. Mm-hmm. We can apply it to any polymer where we have it need for a marker. We can actually even do this for non-plastic packaging. So it just simply needs a label and an infrared source and a camera that can read the colour. So we actually have applications in in, uh, paper packaging as well. So this is, again, the flexibility and power of this particular system. So it's very versatile. And the the key focus on the... um, Prism technology is all about sorting to separate materials for a special function. And in our case, our focus is food from non-food. And the reason for this is that we have a need to close the loop on food packaging. And to do that, we need to eliminate non-food packaging. Now, mm-hmm. if, if we look at the world and, say, and ask the question, what should we really do to sort out Uh, recycling of food packaging, in a way, it would be a lot simpler and a lot cheaper to put the marker on the non-food packaging because there's usually less non-food and far more food packaging. Mm -hmm. So globally, we'd have a lower cost to the plastics industry, to the retailers and the brand owners if we put the markers on the Mm non-food But I think that might be an evolutionary thing. So I think what will happen is we will put markers on the food-grade packaging, 
and we may put some markers on the non-food to exclude the very uh, important materials that we have to exclude. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that way we'll have the best of both worlds. But economically, we could do it just by marking the non-food. That's something for the industry to think about. And the, the people who here that I'm referring to would be the brand owners, the converters, um, the, the environmental departments who want to see higher recycling rates. Mm-hmm. These are the things that would uh, help uh, lower the cost but boost recycling efficiency. So we, when we developed this technology, we were part of the Holy Grail project, mm-hmm. and this is initiated by the Alan MacArthur Foundation. Yeah. And in that Holy Grail project, the concept was how do we separate food from non-food? And, of course, in that project, we had our fluorescent markers. And then the other technology that emerged was the use of a digital watermark. Mm -hmm. Now, most people don't know what a digital watermark is. Um, It's actually a print on a label Mm -hmm. that has a code hidden in the pixels of the print. And so what... Uh, And you have to remember, this technology was originally developed as anti-counterfeiting technology to protect the images of Saturn and Mars that were taken by a NASA space engineer. And they wanted to make sure that their images were not being stolen. And if they were stolen, then they'd be able to check out. Track uh, it down. uh, With their own images. So what they did is um, they were able to put coded pixels into the into the image and then they could decode them by looking at the pixels very carefully and then decoding the patterns that they embedded this is the digital pattern that was embedded into the image and so that's why it's called a digital watermark so in order to decode um, a watermark you have to be able to see this fine detail Mm -hmm. so if you can imagine a color picture we all know that color picture looks like a uniform picture or greys and blues and other colours, but to see this you have to go zoom into the pixels. So you have to look at the the fine detail. So if you were to use um, a digital watermark, you'd need a bit of time to get the image right. Mm -hmm. So, And so the conventional use of a digital watermark is used on packaging so that the consumer can use their their mobile phone and look at the image and then decode the uh, pattern in the in the label and then what they would do is they would interpret the pattern as a website link for example okay. and the phone would take them to a website and say you're buying some ketchup and this ketchup is made from 100% tomato tomatoes with no preservatives and no added sugar and it's just pure tomato and please recycle the bottle in the right place at right. once you finished, you know, or information like that. So that's that's a, an example of what you could do. Or it could go deeper into the product. Uh, it might give recipes for for a product which brand owners would love. So they educate the consumer how to use their product and get more value from it. Mm-hmm. Or it might may have an ingredient list uh, and so on. So lots of great potential for digital watermarks when it sits on a supermarket shelf. And the other thing it could be used for is if you walk out through the checkout, instead of having the barcode Mm -hmm. that we currently use, the digital watermark can replace the barcode because the camera that scans it could actually see the image and then decode it. 
Now, that's great for in-store, mm-hmm. great for the consumer, mm-hmm. but what will it do in sorting? Right. Now, it's possible to demonstrate that you can use a digital watermark at sorting, but what happens when a package is squashed? What happens when the label gets dirty? What happens when the products are running on a, on a large belt with lots of objects flying along at three meters per second? Now, three meters per second means you know running across a room in one second. Now that's yeah. <laughs> really moving fast. Yeah. And on, on a conveyor belt, normally you you will have approximately um, two tons per hour mm-hmm. per meter with the belt. Now, okay. so that's hundreds of thousands of objects per minute. Now, what that means is we've really got to uh, look at these images very fast. We've got to zoom in on the, on the pixel detail. We've got to reinterpret that and then make a decision about does that product need to be ejected or is it left alone mm-hmm. in, in the sorting operation? So in order to do that, you're, you're assessing thousands of images that have to be extremely detailed. And you'll know if you take a, a high-resolution image, it can be many megapixels. And so when you analyze an image, it takes time to the computer to analyze the image, look for the pixels, find the digital imprint, and then do the action. So the implication of using digital watermarks for sorting is that they would require very high computing Computing. speeds, massive computers, which, and of course, you, you do have computers in industry, but we don't really have access to supercomputers uh, running lots and lots of power to, to analyze these images. Now, um, one day we may have very low cost, very powerful computers that might be able to do it. We don't at the moment. So I think this technology will be very much something for the supermarket and the consumer and the brand owner to, to explore. But I think at the moment, um, the, the venturing into the recycling field is, is some, some way into the distance. But that means we really still need to keep moving in the sorting area. So if we're going to sort plastics, we need to use technologies that are ready to use right now. Things that will make a difference, that can provide the sorting mm-hmm. so we can separate Plastics, and here we're saying food grade from non-food grade. The sorting of plastics from aluminium and steel and other things is already being done by near infrared. That's 25-year-old technology. So, um, fluorescent markers mm-hmm. or the prism technology is designed for separating food from non-food or other categories. The digital watermark is all about consumer interaction, which is great for brand owners, retailers but it's probably not something that a recycler is likely to see in the near future. Oh. But hopefully that gives a, a little bit of a summary. I think of, that is great. I think, I think uh, the way you explained it, um, it, it was perfect. I think, uh, um, yeah, um, very clear. What is what? Thank you. So. Thank you. I, I, hope, I hope it's clear. If not, I may have to do it all over again. No. <laughs> I think it's great. I um, the, yeah, because when I was listening to you, I'm like, yes, this makes a lot of sense. So, absolutely. Um, and uh, so, how does the Prism technology integrate into the uh, next loop uh, process? Uh, you know, from start to finish. 
Um, so maybe we can just cover about, about also about the next loop, what you're doing in that as well. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So when we developed um, the decontamination technology for polypropylene, we actually did it before we developed the sorting technology because the question was asked, can you actually recycle polypropylene back to food grade? And initially it thought everyone thought that was that it would be simple. It turned out to be actually very hard. And when we came to test this out, we found that it was difficult, but we could do it. So once we achieved uh, the, a process of making food-grade polypropylene, mm -hmm. we needed to add the technology of separating food from non-food. Okay. Now, this is where, where the fun started. So we then had to, as the second step, develop the PRISM technology. Right. So, now, so once we developed the PRISM technology, we could then say, okay, we now can separate food from non-food, and then one, then we can take the food grade material and we can put it through our recycling process, which will decontaminate it back to a food grade specification. And so you, you, we have to use these two technologies side by side um, in, a, in the one process. Mm -hmm. they, they're both linked in together. Right. And so um, there are some interesting developments which will come in the future. So, for example we will be also making a grade, uh, which will be probably a cosmetics grade, mm -hmm. which will be really very well decontaminated. It will be free of any sort of uh, materials that would be of concern. Um, however, uh, we probably won't be able to call it food grade in Europe um, for, for technical reasons. Mm -hmm. but it would be extremely suitable for cosmetic applications and for all the personal care products. If you think of, say, a shampoo bottle, does a shampoo bottle have to be made from a food-grade material? And the answer is no. You know, in the cap, would they have to be food-grade? No. No. So, because we're not putting food into that container. Mm -hmm. So there's big potential for materials that are very, very pure, that have no odour, that are well controlled and can be demonstrated to be consistent. And so that's the, the aim of the Next Loop project, to, to create a range of materials, both food grade mm -hmm. and we'll also be making this grade, which we're calling inert grade polypropylene mm -hmm. because of its suitability for lots of applications without affecting formulations or products that might be contained inside a, inside a material. And I think the cosmetics industry has a big challenge ahead of it because very few cosmetics packaging products are ever recyclable. They usually go straight into the bin. Mm -hmm. And they very often don't use recycled material because they need very pure products to use. Because, you know, if it's a hand cream or a face cream or anything that's put on the skin, people do not want strange odor they don't want True. Uh, contamination in the material it has to be very pure and so the next loop project will be able to deliver both of these things uh, to to brand owners and to manufacturers to so they can actually reach their recycled content targets and of course those targets are coming up very fast lots of work is taken um, I was surprised to hear that for one company it could take them 12 months of testing before they approve a new product to go on the market with recycled content. So 
if we're thinking about 2025, the testing has to start, you know, a couple of years ahead to make sure all the bugs are out of the system, that it all works and people know it's consistent right. and can, can prove this will really work uh, in the field. So, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. And that's why we've put the next loop project together to give mm -hmm. people the chance mm -hmm. to start all this experimentation, the testing, before they, they, they actually have to reach their targets. Because we know there's a lot of work involved. Right, right. Um, no, and, and that was going to be also my question um, as to what are you planning to achieve from this technology, um, you know. But let's go to, um, so you have developed a consortium of companies in Europe, right, who are yes. part of this. Yes, indeed. Um, so what type of companies are part of uh, the Next Loop consortium and what are these companies aiming to achieve from it? What is their objective in this? So, so we have uh, 30 companies in the program, in the mm -hmm. project, mm -hmm. um, and they represent the supply chain for polypropylene. So we okay. have brand owners mm -hmm. and we have the converters that make the products for brand owners and they, so they, they naturally fit together. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we have companies that are involved in the technology that we're using for, for the recycling. So we have extrusion companies, we have um, recycling plant makers, we also have sorting machinery companies, we have um, uh, a range of um, companies that, for example, make the labels and the inks for the fluorescent markers. Mm -hmm. And then we also have industry associations um, that gather together companies who are in the recycling sector we, and, and help write standards. We also have uh, the, the group that does the, um, the um, um, labels. Uh, this is on-pack label requirements. And so we also have the, um, some of the uh, industry associations like RAP, who are semi-government bodies, who are linked in with you know, the targets of reducing waste. So the plastics pack, for example, mm -hmm. is set up by RAP. So we've got all of these groups in the in the program. And so the idea was if we have a problem, somebody in the group has a solution. You know, and between us we can we can make products, we can put them on the market, we can recycle them, and we can then start the whole process all over again, put it back into products through through the converters. So we, we have the whole spectrum in there. And that was the target when we started and we, we're very pleased to have really high quality and very interested companies from both uh, United Kingdom, from Europe, and we have them from Australia as well and, and Southeast Asia. So we, so we have a good, good cross-section as well. This is very interesting. Like you said, you have the entire spe spectrum. So you have, um, you know, solutions, people giving you solutions at every level, wherever uh, you face a problem. Um, so I think, I think this is fantastic, um, you know, and what are your, um, like how far have you come along in achieving these goals and what are your future objectives on this consortium? Okay. So the, the next loop project is a two year program. Mm -hmm. We're six months into the program already. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're already manufacturing, starting the manufacture of what we call prototype resins. We have already started the design of a demonstration plant 
Um, we are starting to put labels onto packaging for the sorting. So we're doing all of the applied work. Um, so this phase is all about the preparation. Okay. Uh, we should finish the, if you like, the experimental and proving steps uh, at, by the end of 12 months, which would be by the end of the year. And um, then next year is allocated to the design and manufacturing of the plant and, um, and setting up the supply chain to make commercial product. So we're well and truly on the way. Um, and by the end of 2022, we should have um, material flowing into the market. Uh, and we also have licensees who want to take the technology on. So we have one in Europe, one in Southeast Asia, and we have several other discussions underway. So we hope to see more capacity happening in other locations as well. Wow, this is really exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more of this. <laughs> so, uh, so what is the message that you would like to give to the companies who will be listening to this podcast and would be wanting to use the Nextloop technology or uh, you know, for their products. Yeah. So, so the first thing is, first message is polypropylene is usually used in pots, tubs, and trays. So it doesn't look like a bottle, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's not recyclable. And of course, it's the missing link in the packaging sector. We've had lots of polypropylene products being made, and they can be recycled. The next loop project is to demonstrate that it can be recycled and it can be done commercially and it can be done to a high quality. And so what we'd be saying to companies is, you know, look at how, how you can make polypropylene circular. And the big thing that uh, every company can do, even if they're not a member of our project, is to make sure that their packaging is food grade recyclable. Mm -hmm. And that can be things like take the pigments out of the, of the packaging. packaging yeah. Don't put aggressive labels on the surface. It can mean minimizing the use of in-mold labels, which would be very controversial. Uh, it can mean making sure it's mono material. Um, it, can make, it can be using inks that have controlled release. In other words, not releasing ideally, but also not adhering to the polymer. So inks, labels, adhesives, all those components are really quite important. So design for food grade recycling is something that is the next step in design. Mm -hmm. So far, this has not been taken seriously, but very soon it will become a key feature of all design products. And so this is where every company can revolutionize their own products and get them ready to join the next loop. I sure wish that for you. And uh, I think this is very exciting, um, Ed. And um, I've always enjoyed having these conversations with you and having uh, to interview you. It's always been a pleasure to do that. Um, so I, um, what do you think? Uh, this has been great, isn't it? Yes, thank, thank you, Deepa. No, it's been uh, fantastic. And thank you for the opportunity. And uh, we look forward to hearing back from any companies that might want to learn a little bit more. So, But yes. thank you for setting up your, your cool pods and uh, creating this great service for, for the packaging industry and all the people who want to learn a little bit more about what's available. Well done. Thank you so much. And uh, it's absolutely a pleasure to have you here. And um, I, I'm looking forward to um, seeing all the new milestones that you're going to reach. 
um, and definitely have you back again. Uh, that goes without saying. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely been a pleasure, and uh, I hope uh, you know. Uh, I hope the listeners uh, who are listening to this podcast, I hope they get a lot from what you have said today. I hope the companies uh, get a lot from what you have said today and uh, hope this will also help uh, your um, uh, initiative in some small way, if it can. Uh, so thank you. And uh, to the list. Thank, thank you, Deepa. And thank you for your time. Okay. Thank you very All much. All the best. Thank okay. you. All the best. Much. And uh, thank you. And uh, uh also, uh, to the listeners, I would say uh, if you need more information, you could go to our website, www.sustainablepackagingservices.com. You can absolutely reach me at connections, uh, at my email, uh, at uh, connections at sustainablepackagingservices.com. Uh, so look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for your subscriptions. And um, uh, absolutely enjoy doing this. So thank you, Ed, and looking forward to having you back. And all the best for reaching new milestones. Thank you, Deepa. And thank you again for your initiatives too. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. I love it. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. All the best.